Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a series of short discussions on various topics related to the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Your hosts, Kale Tita, Evan Basilic, and Sajid Mello, discuss a specific topic on each show to give you a high-level overview of that topic and resources to get more information should you wish to dig further. For more information on our show, please see our website at azpodcast.com. Well, welcome to the Azure Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year to all our listeners. My name is Sajid Mello. I am a consultant with Microsoft in the AppDev space based out of New Jersey. And uh, as always, I have my uh, two esteemed colleagues, Kale Teeter and Evan Baslick, on the phone. Guys, uh, please introduce yourselves. Hey, this is Kale. I'm also in MCS in the uh, New York, New Jersey region in the AppDev space as well. And this is Evan, and I'm uh, a support escalation engineer supporting Windows Azure IaaS. Happy New Year to both of you guys. And uh, topic of today for today, we're going to start off the new year with uh, a kind of an interesting topic. It's kind of not directly related to actually programming or leveraging Azure services in any way. It's the management services around Azure. I think uh, we've talked about uh, some of these uh, aspects from time to time as we've discussed other parts of Windows Azure. Every part of Windows Azure has a management aspect to it, and uh, we figured it'd be a good idea just to kind of combine and t- everything and talk about why these management services are important to our customers. So why do you need management services around Windows Azure? Well, Microsoft is hosting your applications in our data center, in Microsoft's data centers, and they want to give the customers a little more control over those applications. They want to allow them to install them, to uh, expand them, scale out, scale down, shut, uh, shut off, turn on, etc. And to allow customers to do this, they have to give them a complete control over all the facilities that Windows Azure has. And that is why there is a, a huge emphasis on these management services. Typical use cases for something like this could be, you know, if you you were a SaaS vendor of some sort, or uh, like, for example, Microsoft has uh, Azure Reporting as, uh, as a service, and it's you know, they, they need to be able to deploy stuff out there to scale up and scale down on demand as customers come in and go. And so they need full full access into the Azure system. If you have uh, a dev or a, t- a test uh, system that you use in Windows Azure, a lot of uh, customers use Azure for development and tests. In order to do that, you need to be able to create VMs, you need to be able to create storage, you need to be able to upload them, start them, stop them, etc. And having programmatic or some sort of UI to access these services in uh, these management services is very important so that you could do all of these things in a very prescriptive manner from your data center. And, uh, and a th- third uh, use case that comes up very often is, you know, if, if you have an environment that you've set up and you want to be able to just clone that environment for for other uses, where the, where the, the image is more or less the same, but you're just customizing it as you go along, that's another good use case of using management services. So 
just uh, a few high-level points on why. Those were just some few high levels on why you would want to use management services. I know Evan and uh, Kale uh, over here have a lot to uh, add to some of the discussion items today, but at a very high level, we're offering two ways that you can get to the management services. The, the one that most people use is using the portal. If you go to manage.windowsazure.com and you log in with your credentials, you have essentially a user, user UI access into almost every aspect of the Windows Azure. So that's one way to do it if you like uh, UIs and you, you, have, you have a relatively straightforward and simple uh, bit of work that you need to do in terms of managing your deployments, etc. However, one of the problems with the portal is that they do change from time to time. The UI changes just as Microsoft tries to make them better or improve the, the, the experience, the UI changes, and that sometimes can mean more training for your IT staff, etc. So another, another way that you can access uh, Azure is using the, uh, the service management APIs, okay? And these could be in the form of scripts. It could be in the form of client libraries, .NET, and now even C++. And what this allows you to do is you can build your own apps internally or your own scripts internally that do all the work in Windows Azure in terms of configuring it. And this way, even you know, you don't have to worry about changes to the UI in the portal because they're not going to use the portal. They're going to use your own internal applications, which under the covers would be using this service management API. So at a very high level, that's uh, the, you know, the why and the what. But, of course, there's some uh, more details around that. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that, um, you know, people should understand is what exactly they can configure in using these service management APIs. There's things like hosted services. Uh, I think we've talked about them in the past. You could manage deployments, you know, services that are, that are running in Windows Azure. You can manage deployment environments, staging and production, swapping them, etc. You can manage the certificates. A lot of the work that's done in Windows Azure requires a certificate, and that's something that can be managed using these APIs. You can manage the location in which your, your uh, deployments are, are made. You can manage affinity groups, which define uh, grouping of various applications and servers. And you can define operating systems, the way that they are configured in your VMs, traffic management rules, the virtual network gateway, which we talked about in a, one of the previous podcasts, and even VMs and SQL Azure databases, which is something that's very, very important to a lot of our customers that use uh, Azure both on-premise and in the cloud. So all of these can be managed using these APIs. Now, a lot of these APIs, they some of them, they take a long time to run. They don't, they're not immediate. For example, deploying a new VM could take many, many minutes, and you don't want to just sit over there. So a lot of these asynchronous, a lot of these APIs are asynchronous by nature. You, you basically submit a job, and then you go back and you pull to see if the job is done. And when it's done, then you can, pro, you can proceed to the next step in your, in your workflow. Uh, Kale, uh, what, what are the other uh, kind of things that you that come to mind when it comes to the management services? Yeah, thanks for that uh, overview, uh, Sajid. That was great. 
The um, the thing I wanted to mention was, uh, as, as I've been working with this for a couple years now, seeing this API uh, go from uh, very, very small to something that's very advanced now um, is something that's cool. So if you follow, like, the Windows Azure blog, like the product team blog, or any of our websites associated with Azure, you'll see how active this is, and it's uh, it's constantly evolving. So our APIs are constantly evolving, and to to kind of tie into what Sajid was saying, a lot of the things that you see through the portal, really underneath the covers, are coming from that service management API. So the the portal is basically just a wrapper on top of that. And uh, so as we add new features, whether it's actually we're adding something brand new to the system or if we're making modifications to how you can interact with certain things, it's always going to come through that service management API. And then eventually you'll see it usually exposed through the portal. Um, and one of the things that customers have been asking for is how can I get data up there faster? And especially when you're talking about things like data warehousing where we might have gigs or terabytes of data, uh, a lot of times companies have fast, you know, internet connections and those types of things, but they want to do it even faster. So they're like, can I just send you a disk, these types of things. So we have a way to do that now, and one of our latest APIs is the import-export. It's a, it's a REST API, and still in preview state, so if you go up into our, our portal and register for the preview, you can take a look at it. And its focus is primarily around creating jobs to import data into the storage. And there's a whole... Um, a lot of documentation up there around how do you actually do it. Uh, you set up a thing with FedEx to actually send your disk up there, and, and then there's an API around that to uh, to bring that stuff in. Um, but one of the other areas, too, that we focus on when we start talking about the APIs and the REST APIs is, is PowerShell. And, um, Evan, I know you've had a lot of experience with the PowerShell side of things, and maybe you could comment on that. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Kale. Um, yeah, actually, it's, it's funny you talk about the... Uh, import REST API, I was just had a call with a customer tonight who was uh, wanting to move two terabytes worth of data. Um, you know, and so they had done the math and said, yeah, that's not going to work. So, you know, so I'm, I'm just cu- curious, Evan, how much would that, how long would that take if they just uploaded it? Oh. Days? <laughs> <laughs> well, so so we, we did a test once. So some of the troubleshooting we do periodically, we, we might need to pull down a VHD, right, from a the customer might give us a VHD, or we pull one of ours down right. from the portal. Um, so a typical hundred and some odd gigabyte VHD can take anywhere from uh, eight to twenty-four hours. Wow. Okay, that's so more than you I can thought. Imagine two terabytes is uh, quite a lot more than that. So yep. uh, uh, you know, and very few people have the same upload as bandwidth as they do down- download bandwidth. So uh, yeah, uh, there's really some great potential there. But, um, yeah, so talking about the PowerShell, um, really the PowerShell wraps the REST APIs, on, you know, uh, fundamentally, but it allows you to tie that into the broader PowerShell world of scripting, and, and you know, lots of people are really are very comfortable with the concept of scripting. Um, people are still kind of getting their minds wrapped around PowerShell. I mean, there's, I still see people, you know, using VBScript and, and CScript and everything, but um, PowerShell has lots and lots of potential and power. And, um, you know, I've seen full deployments, right? You deploy a, um, you know, a, a SharePoint web front end plus a, a couple SharePoint service machines plus a SQL Server instance that has multiple um, SQL Server IaaS VMs that are set up in an always-on deployment. 
right? I mean, a very complex environment that I personally, you know, when I used to be a SQL guy, it would take me a day or two to set up those VMs, run through all the config, and make sure I didn't miss any steps. I can run a script, and in about an hour, it's up and running, right? That's a phenomenal time saver from that point. Um, the the other thing, and this is kind of just one of the little Benny benefits of PowerShell and the REST API that I didn't really get when I first started doing Azure, but it, it really has turned out to be true repeatedly, is if you think about it, the portal is a UI, which means we've got to do the UI testing, we've got to deploy it, we've got to do, you know, everything has got to work before we can roll in the portal versus we can add a new commandlet with very minimal effort. If the API is solid, wrapping that in a commandlet or wrapping that in the REST API is, is very straightforward. So you will almost always see new features and functionality will show up uh, in the commandlets in the REST APIs first. Um, the the one that I'm thinking about, if you think about the network ACLs, right, which we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago, um, those were configurable via PowerShell for probably two or three months before we, we finally had those show up in the portal. Um, so definitely something you want to take advantage of. Okay. Um, now, flipping that over, right, so we've talked about all these different ways to manipulate the portal. Um, on the, there's also data that tells you what went on in the portal, right? There's, there's operation logs. They're used for, you know, tracking exactly what happened through the service APIs, be it portal, PowerShell, REST APIs, native libraries, whatever. It's all going to show up in these logs. You can see your successful requests, your failed requests, um, and, you know, when you talk about storage, for example, there's actually, you can either, when you're programmatically calling storage, every request is going to have a response header that you can then cross-reference with your operations logs. And then if you get really sophisticated, you can actually do, turn on what's called storage analytics, which we probably ought to do a full post on at some point because there's a lot of information you can get out of that. But the storage analytics will tell you, you know, the read-write, information of all your IO calls, table, blob, queue, everything. And it really allows you to manage and understand what's going on when you call into these components. So, you know, we're talking about all these cool things we, we can do, but, you know, we haven't talked about um, ways that we, Microsoft, are wrapping these. Uh, Kale, can you talk about some of the things that we've provided for customers that leverage this functionality? Yeah, and thanks, Evan. One of the big things um, we did have for a period of time was we we were working with another company called uh, Metrics Hub, uh, who was a third-party uh, site who managed who did this type of alerting, some of the scaling type features, uh, and they had a separate component that we actually had in Azure Marketplace at one point, and people were leveraging that. And eventually, I think it was March of this year, Microsoft actually acquired them. And um, so now you're seeing the pieces of their their product actually being integrated into our system. So some of the things, um, and even to tie back to some of what um, you were talking about, Evan, with, you know, things don't show up in the portal right away. They usually show up in the API. I know working with even the logging functions, like the management logs type things, that stuff wasn't in there until uh, much later. Um, we, we could call that from the API, from the REST API and whatnot, but I, you didn't see it in the portal until until much later. And um, so one of the things I'm excited about is this um, the alerting functions that we have in there. So now we're able to 
actually tie specific alerts up to things. So if new instances are going to get spin up, um, we can do auto scaling up there in the cloud with uh, in, through the portal or through the API. But we can also tie alerts to it to say whenever this happens, send a message out to this person or whatnot. So that's pretty powerful because we before we had customers had to do that all themselves. So now we're integrating pieces of that into there. And along with that, some of the things is like billing. So one of the big things is if if we are doing something specifically like auto scaling, where there's going to be a cost associated with that, we don't want to have it totally lights out. People like to know like what's going on, how much are they going to get charged. Um, certainly we have thresholds around it, but having a billing alert as well. So if we start to approach, hey, um, set a billing alert when we spend X amount of dollars up here, um, that's something we can do now. So that's pretty cool. And, again, this is still in preview. This is something we're integrating actively. Um, but you're going to see that evolve over the next next months. Excellent. Kale, I just want to make a couple of points that I forgot to make uh, earlier on uh, re- related to the API. So, uh, you know, security is of utmost importance when using these APIs and the scripts because, it's you know, everything's very sensitive. These are sensitive operations. We don't want somebody – uh, inadvertently or uh, maliciously trying to shut down a VM or something like that. So uh, the, the Windows Azure Security Management APIs, they use mutual authentication of management certificates over SSL to ensure that a request is made to the service is secure. No anonymous requests are allowed, so the both, par- both parties have to have the same certificate uh, before the call is accepted. So uh, just something for customers to keep in mind over there. And the other thing is, you know, there is just if you want to get an idea as to what some third parties are doing with our service management APIs, there is a product called the Azure Management Studio. Uh, we're not endorsing the product. I just We just wanted to make a, a reference to it so you could see the kind of work that other companies may be doing with the APIs, but it provides a complete, Azure Management Suite. It's by a company called Cerebrata, and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Uh, but just to, so the listeners can get an idea of what you can do using the service management APIs. So uh, I noticed, Hale, you put a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, would you like to talk about them? Sure. Thanks. Um, so yeah, a couple things that come up here in the recent uh, past. Um, so one of the things we have, I don't know if we've talked about it to this point, we should probably, might be a future show that we can talk about is the, the Windows Azure pack. Um, so we have this, um, this pack it's called where you can basically take what we've done up there in Azure. So the portal, um, some of the functionality we have up there, something like websites and SQL server, those types of things. And you're able to actually, um, build like a mini Azure in your own data center, maybe on premise or uh, in, in a data center that you own. And you still get the, the cool kind of functionality of the portal and that type of thing, but it's private. So one of the things that just came out was uh, the Windows Azure Pack website easy deploy tool, it's called. And basically what that does is wraps up this pack and it basically allows you to create instances of the websites feature that we have as databases and the portal and, you know, it's Hyper-V and those types of things. Not really meant for a production deployment, but it's something that you could run on-premise for maybe even like dev and test like um, Sajit was talking about earlier. So that's kind of a cool That cool is feature. cool. Very nice. 
Um, and one of the things, you know, that, uh, just a fun thing to get into, we have, uh, something running right now called the Prime Challenge, which is this challenge that's trying to find this multi-thousand digit prime number using Windows Azure. So, apparently we have a lot of CPU cycles to spare here, so we wanted to see if we could <laughs> use them up. And, uh, no, it's a neat thing. So there's a, there's a link in there and you can go up and see how big that thing's got. It was huge. It was like 3,200 digits the last time, uh, we took a look at it, but pretty funny. That's um, amazing. A couple of, two other things was, uh, the storage library, um, for Windows Azure, the C++ version is out there in preview form. Um, so if you check it out, um, we'll have the link, but it's, it's up on the blog from the storage team from Windows Azure. Yeah. And, and- Oh, I was gonna say, Kale, that the I don't know about you and Sajit, but you know I'm a I'm a .NET guy at heart, right? That's kind of where I, you know, cut my teeth and and I'm really comfortable there. I mean, I do C++ when I have to, but it's certainly not my favorite. But I know all my all my colleagues who are C++, you know, purists. Um, you know, they they've always been looking askance at Windows Azure. Oh, it's all this .NET and this Ruby and stuff, and and they've been, just been. So so excited to see us really starting to come out with some native libraries to, to allow them to leverage the power of Windows Azure without you know touching that really nasty .NET stuff that they don't. You know, they don't <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, so. nasty, sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. and the last point I wanted to talk about was um, was about uh, copying blobs between storage accounts. So one of the guys who used to actually work on the product team, uh, Michael Washam. He, uh, he actually spun off into another company and, um, he did a lot of work with our PowerShell stuff and one of the things he has on his blog right now is, uh, some things about some PowerShell scripts and, and some techniques of how to copy VHD blobs between storage accounts. So that's something definitely that's handy, um, people are always asking about. Excellent. Evan, I noticed, uh, you had dropped a link in there too as well. Um, for the, uh, SharePoint. Oh yeah, the yeah the, the I was talking earlier about you know these full deployments. I actually put a link in here that that actually points to a PowerShell script that you set a couple parameters, and you will have a SharePoint deployment out there um, with that always on uh, SQL Server instance. So it's pretty cool to see that spin up really really fast without you know just one enter and I have a deployment. You know, try doing that on premises. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. That'll be cool. A day's worth of work. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least. <laughs> well, great. That's uh, that's some really really good stuff, guys. Thanks for all those comments and notes. So uh, that brings us to the end of our uh, podcast today. I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Uh, we'll uh, hope to continue on other uh, topics uh, at a regular rhythm. Now I know we took a break uh, for the holidays. Uh, we're going to we're going to try and continue every week, uh, and uh, we'll uh, see all of you guys next week. Thank see you, folks. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any comments or questions, please use our Twitter handle at Azure Podcasts. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. Thank you, and see you next time.